Welcome to our podcast. It's not prod. I can't hear it. It's pod. I think I think I need to teach language mythologies right about now. Let's try that one again. Hello, SL peeps. Welcome to True Confessions with Lisa and Sarah. Okay, can start confessing now. This is so cheesy. Well, hey, Lisa. Hi, Sarah. How's it going? It's going. You are, I'm looking at you, but not next to me today. Where are you right now? I am in the middle of nowhere in Colorado. Lucky. But I will say my neighbor is Jenny Bjorum. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm not like in the middle of nowhere where like I don't know anybody. I have just made her adopt me and my family. And, um... I loved seeing all of her pictures of living this Colorado rustic life, you know, and part-time. It works for me part-time. I could not be here all the time. Yeah, it's beautiful. I came in the winter. You sent me pictures of what it looks like right now. It looks very different. You got a running creek. Two creeks right now. And good weather. You know, 100 degrees here in Phoenix. So, Yeah, we're getting a high of about 68, I think, today. Okay, Okay. Let's (laughs) let's move on to this episode. We have a guest. Do you want to yes, we do. I am so excited to introduce Mary Hurst, who is here as part of our summer camp series. Um, so welcome, Mary. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Thank you for having me. It's yeah, great to join really you, girl. Yeah. So can you um, tell us, our audience, a little bit about yourself, who you are, what makes you gel? Sure. Absolutely. Um, I am a speech-language pathologist. I have been since 2007. I started out in the uh, private practice world, um, working with children in a small clinic um, in Mesa, Arizona, actually. I lived there for like 20 years, Um, and then I moved into the public school setting, and so I've been doing that for a long time. I was only in the clinics for about four years. Wait, so where Um, are you based right now? Now, in 2018, we moved to Dallas, Texas. So How did we never meet you guys, meet you then? <laughs> um, I, you know, I worked actually, I, I worked down in Casa Grande. I lived in East Mesa, but I commuted down to Casa Grande that, for many That's years. a commute. It was, it was. <laughs> um, and then I worked uh, one year for Gilbert uh, Public Schools right before we moved. So, okay. um, yeah, so I was around, but I was, I was rural. In, in my work there. Um, so we moved to North Texas and um, I've been continuing in public schools here and um, I we love it here. We have seasons, but it's not like crazy seasons. So we're, we're really loving, loving this. We're having a really big thunderstorm right now. So if you hear like rumbles or hail, you know, that, that's going on right now. So. It's unbelievable. No, I don't hear anything. It feels okay. like you're in a soundproof room. And for everybody who can't see you, uh, Lisa had commented when we first jumped in here that you look like you have a family band um, <laughs> behind you. So I was curious if you are in like a basement or something, because I imagine if everybody's on instruments, how does that work in the house? <laughs> no, it's actually upstairs. This room has no windows because it's sort of like a home theater. So we put up like a big screen and a projector. And um, so we just, we keep the instruments in here. My husband's the real... Um, the real musician and he's getting our kids into it. That's Um, super cool. Yeah. So I have an eight and 10 year old. And so they're just really starting to show interest in some of dad's hobbies. And so I love it. That's fantastic. We were also commenting that um, our kids need to step it up because they have no (laughs) 
talents. No, <laughs> that's we tried, we've tried all the, the athletics and, and some of the, eh, maybe, but you know, the musical thing I think might take off a little bit more. My kids have a talent. They have a talent of spending all my money. Yeah. <laughs> they don't listen to me True. when I say get a job yes. and spend your own money. That's right. <laughs> Let's move on to this episode. I think your journey as an SLP is interesting. We haven't really heard a lot about how you got there, but the episode title for us was really um, personal because Sarah and I are both diagnosed with ADD and that's kind of what we're here to talk about. So talk to us a little bit about your particular um, journey into that and how it interested you in terms of being an SLP. Um, well, I just got diagnosed last year at the age of 38. And so were you guys diagnosed later in life? Yes. I got diagnosed last month. Last month. Right. <laughs> right? I mean, professionally. Sure. I, I, you know, Sarah told me all the time. Right. Right. We start to see it. And, and I think um, actually for me, like social media kind of played into that. You start to see the memes and the jokes and, and the infographics and some of the more serious ones. And you're like, wait, wait a minute there's something to that. And, um, and through counseling, I started to talk a little bit about my characteristics, things that I thought were quirky about me or, you know, just interesting personality traits or flaws. And sometimes when I felt like a downright broken person, and then when I started to really knit those pieces together, um, it it became much more clear. Um, but I think things get missed because of a few factors. I mean, when we're children, girls versus boys having ADHD, it's very different. Um, we present differently. I look back on myself. I was the doodler. If I got, if I got in trouble in class, it's because I was doodling while taking notes. Now I was taking notes. So usually my teachers were fine, but I would have that one that'd be like, you are not paying attention. And I never really thought much of it, but all through even graduate school, like you'd look over at my notes and I'd have like highlighter colors in patterns. And because that's just what I needed to function, to be able to sit there for that length of time and take in information. Um, And then when we look at what ADHD looks like for adults versus kids, those pieces are completely different. We think about what we do for our students that have uh, um neurodivergent brain styles and ADHD. And we're like, okay, you're given these tasks. Here are your strategies to be able to do these tasks. When we're adults, we get to choose what we do. We have our chores and things we know we should do, but nobody's telling us to do it. Nobody's handing us the task or we have our hobbies and our interests. And so maybe not finishing that furniture that I started to paint or, um, you know, whether or not I have a floor drobe on the bottom of my closet because I did all my kids' laundry, but I didn't, you know, choose to get around to mine. That's a very different type of task demand than what we put on children. And so it's hard to recognize it when we have all of these things that we look for in our kids, but we don't, we don't see that in the same presentation in ourselves as, as adults. And then when we mask things, 
the, the demand for masking our behaviors. We need to present socially acceptably um, to other adults and professionally, and we hide and try to cope as much best we can with all of these factors. So yeah, it's going to get missed. <laughs> it's going to get missed early, and and it takes a while even once we're adults. Well, um, it definitely resonates with me. I think of, I call them um, my closets of shame. <laughs> they are just packed with so much stuff because it's interesting how my brain works is I have to have things organized. And when I see it, even I'm sitting at a desk right now that it's, this is an area that's in the process of getting um, made into an office. My brain works well in an organized space, but sometimes that can be challenging for me. And then when it does go off the rails, like I've tried to set up systems to make my life really organized but if I ever get out of that system, then it's it's all I can think about is yeah. how I can't even think about anything else. So it is, it's funny how like our brains kind of sabotage us. We try to set up, you know, these systems for success. And are you one of those people who's like out of sight, out of mind? Because that's the other thing, that object permanence, like that's why I think I shove everything away because if no, I, I know it's there, it, I know it's there okay. and it bothers me. So maybe I try to do that. Yeah. And for another time, but um, that I know I can handle it another time. But even like about two weeks ago, I pulled out everything in my master closet into the bathroom because I was like, there's no way I can look at this. And it sat there for almost two weeks. Yeah. And then it just got pulled right back into the closet. Yeah. You know, there's. Day. I like how um, Mary said too about the how it shows up differently in girls versus boys, but also children versus adults. Because I think that was, I was an adult. As diagnosed as an adult too, obviously always kind of new, but also had enough like kind of awareness. I think I always had pretty good strategies and coping skills that it was pretty manageable for a long time. When it became problematic enough that I thought I got to do something about this, um, was more of like the the issues with the dopamine um, being so low, causing me to act, you know, a little bit like just irrationally. I was taking more risks at this age of 40, you know, two, that seemed odd, my behavior, my emotions, a lot of these other things kind of showed up, I think, because I, it kind of hit that point. And I'm sure it got, you know, exasperated by COVID and just uh, all of those things too. But it was just symptoms I didn't recognize. Mm -hmm. All I ever thought of was you can't stay on task and you can't handle distractions and outside noise. And you know what I mean? Like those very standard signs. You know, it's interesting that you share that because I was listening to another podcast recently where they were talking about mental health in the classroom. And, um, one of the presenters is, um, finishing graduate school to become a counselor. And he shared a fact that in adult women, they are more likely to be initially misdiagnosed with bipolar disorder before being correctly diagnosed with ADHD. And that actually happened to me for a moment. And I knew it was not right. I knew it was not right for a moment. The practitioners working with me through my counseling had suggested that. And I was like, mm, no, you know, yeah, I, I like to shop, but it's not like mania shopping. You know, it's not the highs and lows. You know, I can see the triggers for it. It's not the same. It's not the same as what you know, you would expect with bipolar, but we have those things, those dopamine seeking times. And, you know, you guys both described different 
um, challenging behaviors. And one of the things that I recommend when we talk about challenges, um, whether it's in the workplace or in the home, um, or in your relationships even, is it's important to kind of give your behaviors or your personal characteristics names. Um, and that way you can get the right tool for the right job, as my husband would say it. Like name her Margaret. <laughs> no, closet your, your, <laughs> your closet of chaos or, or what'd you say? No, closets of shame. Yeah. I call, okay. I get, I have chaos nests. So like my therapy room, every space that my students will be in is like organized to a T decorated beautifully. But my teacher space behind my desk is like a nest I have to climb into because that is where I know nobody else will have to deal with it. And I just have to deal with it. And by the end of the year, usually about the end of each quarter, I will eventually deal with it, but it's like, it accumulates in the space that I know nobody else has to deal with but me. So I have these little chaos nests. Other people call them doom piles. Have you heard that term before? (laughs) You'll have these doom piles where you're like, I'm just going to put it over here. And somebody, um, I was looking it up to see if I needed to credit somebody with that term, but they told, um, somebody had said that doom stands for didn't organize, only moved. Oh yes. (laughs) And so um, that's what I think about. And, And so, you know, that's, that's a piece of it, you know? And we, when we can name our different characteristics, giving them, even whether they're funny names or actually actual terminology and in this field, um, it's important. And other ones are time blindness. Have you heard of this one? Having, um, an incorrect perception of how long things actually take. You might think, oh, uh, we have to leave in five minutes. Sure, I can I can go ahead and do my makeup today and um, put my hair up. But that's actually more than a five-minute task, and you just don't really have a perception of that. Or the other way around, you don't want to do this task because you think it's going to take so long to do it. Um, just not really having a realistic perspective on that. Task multiplication, this is a huge problem for me in work. I will start to do one thing. And, and, and I have side quests is what I like to call that. It turns into something else and something else. I might go to tidy my bathroom, but then I am organizing all of the cupboards and the medicine cabinet and my linen closet. And, oh, look, my master bedroom closet is right there too. And all of a sudden I'm in this big overwhelming project that you stop I everything. cannot handle yep. and I can't finish and I'm overwhelmed and stressed and, and I did it to myself. I could Are have we twins, Mary? I, I, know, <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like you're describing me to AT. Well, and that's what—that's the thing. That's how we figure it out, right? We realize that these things that we thought were just quirks or flaws, these are characteristics of the ADHD. Yeah, or I just thought everybody. I always thought I was just lazy. Like, Same. that I don't, that I'm a procrastinator and I, you know, just have no motivation and willpower to start and complete tasks, you know? You know? That's, or I thought that everybody's brain worked like this. I, oh, yeah. 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 I, I just, that's funny. I always knew something was wrong. Not wrong. I shouldn't say that. Something was different. And- different about the way we yes. think. Absolutely. Yes. You know, and you talk about product, uh, procrastination. I have another one for you. I call it productive procrastination. Or um, another term people will call it is uh, procrastinating where you're doing, you're choosing something that's on your to-do list, but it's a high dopamine task over the other things that might be higher on your to-do list. 
um, that are low dopamine tasks. And so you have to recognize that you might, I mean, yeah, you might be doing something that may need to be done, but you're not doing the thing that needs to be done. Um, and you justify it because you're like, well, but it was on my list. (laughs) It was just 47th on my list, not number one. Um, these are all pieces. And then, um, dopamining. That's another one. Mining for dopamine. This is what, this is what shopping does for me. Um, reading and you know all those things that I do to avoid work or not work tasks or unpleasant tasks low dopamine tasks those are the things that um give me that boost and so I will gravitate towards that let those me ask you talented. do you have a lot of stuff from shopping that you don't use um I always use it at least for a while because I have some great idea um but then then it accumulates and you're like yep. wow I, I donate a lot to, you know, charity yep. every week. <laughs> Mine is definitely the shopping. Caffeine. Oh yes. my gosh. Like the amount of caffeine I ingested on a regular basis, just again, to try to like get through things. But then even like had this, like, again, this very risky behaviors that like Lisa was calling me a po- party robot for a while because it was, it was like, I was constantly seeking something to like, I would go out to like super late at night, which I didn't go out for like that since I was 20, like it was just bizarre stuff where I was like, what, but it was, it was constantly seeking some kind of like spike, right? Something exhilarating to like make me feel alive. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm starting to discover some tools that help me. Um, I'm early in my journey. So the tools I'm discovering right now, there's, they're really working for me in the workplace. I'm struggling to generalize them to my home environment. I could use the same tool in both places and I don't respond as well necessarily depending on the context or the environment. But what I have that's working for me at work, um, these things really, they they really do support me. Um, When it comes to time blindness, doing a time study and actually documenting reality for yourself. You take your top five most stressful routines or tasks and literally stopwatch yourself for them. Um, whether it's things that you dread doing because you think they're taking too long, as I said before, or things that you you always, always make you run late. The things that you're like, oh, yeah, I have time to stop for a Starbucks. Well, how long does it really take you to sit in line, order, get your drink, and then leave? You know, what does that do to how much traffic backed up in the time you were waiting? You know, all of those things. Think about them and then document it. And then that can help you make decisions for yourself when it comes to deciding whether or not you're going to do those tasks. Um, the task multiplication thing, getting sidetracked, those side quests that happen. Um, I know you guys had a tip about this in SLP Toolkit at one time. Um, using something like Asana or Trello or Monday.com, those are amazing websites. I personally use Trello, but to make checklists that can give you reminders. Um, things that can give you due dates, that can help you prioritize. You can have an A-list, a need-to-do, a, um, a may-do, and a want-to-do, you know, um, an A, B, and C kind of list. So when you're adding things to your list, you can decide, is this something that really needs to get done, should get done, I want to get done. Um, and then if you really want to get fancy with any of those websites, you can connect your team, you can create automizations. There's a lot of really fancy things that you can do um, in the work environment in terms of keeping your projects organized, keeping your due dates organized. Um, So those are really helpful. Um, 
to, to just keep your tasks rolling and on track. Um, and then when it comes to like dopamining or productive procrastination, I feel like those two things go together. We, we look for what is it that we're gravitating towards when we're avoiding work? What are we gravitating towards? You could even do, you know, we do those reinforcement inventories for our students, right? We're looking for like, what can we put on their choice boards, right? When they, when they do their work for these five tokens, then they get to choose from their choice boards. We can do that for ourselves. Let's find those things, the little things and the big things that we can work towards. Do a, what's my love language quiz. You know, I, you know, I hate this about myself, but mine's gifts. Okay. But you know, I, it's true. So what what I could, I could literally go after Christmas and stock up on, um, advent calendars. And, and after I write 10 progress reports, I can open a little door and that would be like such a high little dopamine spike for me. And that could really keep me going. Just one little door open to see what's behind it. And that would be just like, I'd be over the moon for that. Any of those kinds of things. Um, and then also to keep you on track when you're, you know, not wanting to do certain things, there's this really great free service. It's called workbuddiesonline.com. Have you heard of this? This is so cool. It's a free accountability partner on demand. If you're like sitting at your desk and you're like, I have to get this done. I have to write this report and I cannot leave this desk, but you know, you're going to get distracted. It is literally sitting on like a zoom call with somebody else who's sitting at their desk needing to do whatever they need to do. And it's just somebody working and they're an accountability partner. And if you get distracted, you're going to be like, Hey, Hey, you're going to, you're going to get back on your progress report you got to do. And you can chat with each other, take a short short break. It's awesome. It's free. And that's such a great resource. Cause I Um, do need somebody. I actually, like I used to think that would be more distracting for me because then I just want to like chit chat. But as long as that person can keep me on track, and it's I can get so much more done than having somebody else there with me. Right. Yeah. If it were my colleagues, I'd be so much more willing to like chat. But if it's somebody I don't know, and I'm just like, oh, this person's this person's watching me work, I better stay on task. That might help me, you know. Um, and then I have one about the doom piles. It's and it's it's this is my little trick. Okay, if it's if it's your whole like room and you're like I just then break it up into pie pieces or zones. Okay, chunk your work. That's an accommodation, right? We need to give ourselves accommodations, manageable chunks. And then I use the basket or tote bag. We all have a gazillion tote bags from all the conventions we go to, right? Okay, here we're gonna put them to use. You go to one zone, and anything that doesn't belong in that zone, you put in the tote bag. And then everything that's left that does belong in that zone, you put away. And then the key piece is that tote bag must be empty before you consider yourself done. So you have to go around with your tote bag and take each thing out and put it where it belongs and your tote bag's empty, then you have just done that zone and it's done. And so then you can go do another zone or take a break, whatever you're needing at that time, and you've successfully done it. But that bag needs to not become a new doom pile. That's the key. I was going to say, because I would put that bag in the closet. (laughs) You can't put down the bag. In a different closet. I'm working on closet A. I would put it in closet B. Right. (laughs) That's the thing. That's the thing. It has to, you have to be able to pick something up and say, I know where this goes. It's not here. I'm going to put it in here and then I'm going to go there after this and, and it's going to go where it goes. 
So those are some of my, my tips, my strategies and tools that I like to use. And they really, really help me at work. Some of them are starting to help me at home, but you know, I use a lot of things like reminders on my watch and my phone. I use scheduled emails. Um, I like to use my calendar as my to-do list where instead of I'm just making a checklist, I'm actually blocking out time, but, um, doing those same things at home, I could get the same type of reminder and I just clear it when I'm at home versus when I'm at work, when I'll just do it. And I'm not quite sure why that is. So I'm still on this journey. I'm still learning. Um, but, but there are a few things out there that I'm really starting to learn work for me. It's so good. And I, are, do you ever go on TikTok? Oh yeah. Okay. Sure. I'm obsessed with TikTok because to me, it's like, first of all, I, I, I need short videos, obviously. Um, my attention span sucks. So I love them that are they're short, but I learned so much. And that's, I think, where I was really starting to learn again, kind of the differences between adult women and ADD. But there's so many tips like this on there of ways to do things. Um, and I was actually talking with a teenage child that I know, and she was like, she's always oh, struggles to keep a room clean. And so she goes, you know what I saw on TikTok? to put the camera on, the video um, on my phone on, but on hyperspeed or what's it called? You know, where it goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. She goes, because then, so I I put it on time-lapse and I clean my room and then it's so fun to see like really quickly how it went from this mess to clean. And so she's like, it's usually rewarding for me and it was so exciting. And so there's all these like cool tips on um, TikTok and stuff too. And I think that's the key is like, I I think, well, you and Lisa sounded like had more similar things, um, but everybody's so different. So yeah, trying to figure out what works for you. And um, I know. But the access that we have, I think, to things like TikTok and social media influencers, is there anybody, Mary, that you have found has been really helpful for um, getting tips? I have, I have a couple of resources that I really would like to recommend. Um, the first one is um, I found them on, they make TikTok videos. And so, um, but they're also on Instagram and Facebook and um, their handle is ADHD underscore love. And it's this couple, Rich and Rocks, and I think they're in Britain. Um, and they are just the sweetest couple. Rocks has the ADHD and her husband, Rich, is neurotypical. And they have the most beautiful relationship and their, their videos are funny. Um, a lot of the, the funny terminology you heard came from them. Um, but to see how a relationship can look, that's really supportive where neurotypical people understand, accommodate and support someone with a neurodiverse brain style is really, really special. And I think it applies not just in a marriage, but how colleagues can support others and, um, other working relationships can really, really understand and and work towards better collaboration and better, you know, just interpersonal skills. Um, so I, I recommend them. They also recently wrote a book called Dirty Laundry. Um, I highly recommend that as well. It's funny, it's heartwarming, and it has great information as well. Um, and then there's another person that I follow. Um, her handle is Neuro Wild. Her name is Emily Hammond. Um, she has items on Teachers Pay Teachers because she is um, an illustrator, advocate, mom, and also a speech language pathologist with a neurodiverse brain. She has autism and ADHD. And um, her illustrator skills come into play because she makes these beautiful um, illustrations that are sort of infographic-like or a series of them that go through an explanation. She just recently came up with a 15 
slide, if you will, um, series about, you know, telling your child that they have ADHD and what that means. And they're just outstanding resources from one, one graphic that will explain um, what it means to be masking and to, to change that frame of mind to, uh, you know, like I said, a 15 slide piece to um, have a conversation with somebody about a topic. She has great, great resources. Um, and, and I really appreciate her, uh, her contribution to the, the field, this area. Fantastic. Yeah. I, there was another one I was thinking of too. Um, and I'll, I'll put it in the show notes when I find it, but there was, it's some that, you know, we've talked a lot about the challenging characteristics, but there's also like some really awesome things, you know, that can come with having a neurotypical brain and, you know, the creativity and the like other, like there's just some things that are the positives. And so this account really tries to highlight, you know, what makes her uniquely special and, and her strengths too. Um, and recognizing that. Yeah. And I thought that was super cool because I do, I think, you know, it's real easy to focus on all the things we are struggling with versus like, you know, there's some really cool things that come with this. Can't think of any other things she said off the top of my head, but I'll, I'll try to find that resource because it was it was cool. Yeah, I, I that's one of the things I like about both of these as well. They have a really positive outlook, and they do look at the the bright side of um, this brain style. Um, the creativity is part of it. The um, when we hyper focus on something we're really interested in, we can really get a lot done. We are go getters. We can start new ideas. We're really good problem solvers because we think outside the box. There's a lot that really is beneficial. And I think that's why we're good at what we do in the field of speech pathology. We, um, we create things. We think of a new way to approach something. Um, you know, we get those really challenging students that maybe have some deeper behaviors that go along with their communication impairments. And we might think of another way to explain the reasons for communication because we just think, um, we just come at it from another angle, you know? And I think that when we hear these, uh, influencers describe ADHD as a superpower, um, we need to embrace that. You know, we do need to, to remember that that's, that's absolutely the truth. And these challenges that we face on a day-to-day basis, um, that's only part of the picture. That's only part of the picture. Love well, that. And I wonder how many SLPs in our field yeah. are, are ADD or ADHD. I, because I, I do posted. see some of the characteristics kind of apply across the board um, to a lot of us. And if anyone is listening right now and is like, huh, I never really thought about this, what is what is the best way? How did you go about getting your adult diagnosis? Um, I actually began uh, using an online uh, tele- like telemedicine platform for counseling that used, um, they had tiered uh, um support whether counselors, therapists, psychologists, and then they also had nurse practitioners that would manage the medication side of things. Um, and so a combination of the therapy and the both practitioners needed to agree on the diagnosis. Um, and so there was a collaboration effort there. Um, my family doctor will not treat adult ADHD. And so I'm struggling. I, I even just talked to one today that I was uh, looking into switching to. And I said, you know, will you look at me as a whole person? You know, I have I have asthma and allergies and some other conditions. And I want to make sure that if we're going to treat this with any kind of medication that I'm looked at as a whole before we just throw another pill on top of things. And that's that I'm finding that that's hard to find. 
Um, and so it's, it can be challenging to find the right uh, team of support that's going to, if it can't be all one person, to collaborate the way you need it to. So I'm still personally unmedicated, um, but I'm interested in it, but I want to make sure that I go about it the right way. And um, there are online um, telemedicine platforms that are specifically about treating adult ADHD. I haven't gone there yet, but that might be a next step for me. I'm not sure. Yeah. I think it helps to remove that barrier of like, that was one of my barriers in seeking any kind of treatment was always, oh, got to make the appointment. I've got to show up somewhere. So the the advent of telehealth has been very great. Yes. Yes. And I would, and I, for all the reasons I already mentioned this, this far, it, I definitely would recommend, especially in that, that beginning, when you're really seeking information, finding somebody who does understand adult and maybe even female ADHD, because I think that's why it gets missed so much or diagnosed incorrectly. And so I think I was very fortunate because I had start, same thing, started therapy, I was going to my therapist for a while. And she was like, mm, I think I'm <laughs> I'm pretty sure I said this, this looks real familiar. And so then sent me to a psychiatrist who, you know, did the more formal testing and things. But, um, I, I do think, and then, and then not only that, but continues to monitor me on a regular basis to make sure that, yeah, that medication is correct and the dosage is correct. And should it be extended release or not? Or, you know, is this even medication even helping? Do we need to, you know, change things around? So I, I do think it is definitely beneficial to find somebody who's, you know, checking in, making sure, you know, that there's yeah, real active involvement. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Well, and this is to go hand in hand with just the, not just the medication, by the way, it is that also that piece of the strategies and yes. the, like, it's, it's very helpful to talk through with somebody, you, you know, know they, too. they always say that, um, therapists and counselors and psychologists should also receive counseling or therapy, um, as well. And we have to remember that under our umbrella, part of what we do is counseling families, you know, and what we do is heavy. Whether you think you may have ADHD or not, what we do is heavy work. And I think that um, counseling, even if it's just once in a while, even once a quarter, just to check in is highly beneficial for anybody in our field. Um, and a lot of places will have, um, Oh, now I'm drawing a blank. What's it called? There's a service that's free for employee uh, employee, employee benefit. benefit. Yeah, I know it's yeah. it's EAB or something like employee employee yeah. assistance. Yes, that, and, that deals specifically with behavioral health. Yes, and it's um it's like free to call in. And a friend of mine recently used it. I haven't used it before, but a friend of mine recently used it. They followed up with her. She actually had a couple phone calls, and it was completely free. And she said it helped so much. And I. I love that there's that resource and that it's so common. And so I encourage people to, you know, whether you think you need to or not, just check in, check in with, with someone. I love that. Yeah. I love this whole episode. I know. I think this is going to be so interesting for people. Like I said, when you submitted the idea for it, we were like, yep, let's talk more about that. I would also like to talk more about, this is a, something I've always wanted to look into. Maybe we'll do it for like a summit, but the impacts of ADHD on children and their language. Um, I always thought, you know, we didn't get it. I don't, I don't feel like I got enough education on, you know, when is it truly language disordered versus the ADHD is impacting that expressive language, you know, type of a thing. So I think this is just the beginning of some really cool conversations. So do some research, Mary, and we'll have you present. (laughs) 
Well, actually, I really do want to be able to share more content. Um, I'm not by any stretch a social media influencer, but I do hope to be able to produce some content for folks in the future. Um, I, right now, I just have an email address and I do want to invite our listeners, you know, if you have a, sh- a story to share or a challenge, a question, um, Anything that you you want to ask about, um, I would love to try to answer questions or share your stories or um, research something for you and begin to maybe produce a little content to be able to give back out to the community to support. I mean, this is another whole other layer of self-care for us in our profession. And um, I'd like to be able to contribute to that. But uh, I, I need to start by collecting, you know, your stories and what you need um, in order to know what I can give back out to you. Ah, That's freaking awesome. What a cool thing to offer. So how can they reach you? So the email address is the ADSLP at gmail.com. So yes, the AD meaning attention deficit SLP at gmail.com. Perfect. And so Sarah and I will probably be emailing you later. Please do. I'm looking yeah, forward to it. I remember. I'm just kidding. If I remember, if I put it, uh, if I said it, alarm, it in the session, myself. <laughs> we'll put that in there. Thank you so much for your time and for sharing um, with not only the SLP Toolkit listeners, but this is going to go on the podcast. Is it open? Yeah. Yes. Be, we will be posting this. And so it, when, whenever we have that, we'll, um, when it's posted, we'll be doing some social posts. So thank you so much for your time today. This was amazing. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a real pleasure. I'm a huge fan of SLP Toolkit. I've been using it for years and it keeps me, it keeps me so organized and on top of everything. It's right there at the top of my list of my e-tools. So well, we have right that, um, be your best private Facebook group for subscribers. And I don't know if you're in that or Sarah, if you saw this, but somebody oh posted a post-it um, note of this is how I used to keep, or this is how I used to organize myself. And it is like gold. I'm like, this is amazing because it is, she was like, I can't believe how far I've come and how awesome this has been to organize myself. A couple other people chimed in, in the comments too. Yep, absolutely. Fantastic. All right. Well, thanks ladies. Yes. Thank you. 